Amen. Amen. Oh, I needed that. God is good. Amen. And how good is he? He's good all the time. You got it. God is good all the time. Now, all things that happen all the time may not be good. But God is still good regardless of whatever time we're going through. And some of those are difficult times. And we're going we're gonna to look at that today uh, in a deeper way, in a deeper level. You know, one of the things that I've discovered is being a part of a discipleship journey that Caleb and I have been doing for the last couple of years is one of the things that they give us is my gospel story. And everybody that's had an encounter with God has got, you have your own personal gospel story. And there's several uh, stages of that gospel story that are seen. And the one is the moment you might have accepted Christ. It's, it's like a volcano eruption moment. It's a good moment. And then there's times in your life where you, you might get away from the Lord or, or the walk might not be as sweet as it was at one point. And that's called the erosion moments. But the moment we're going to be looking at today is one of those moments that's called an earthquake moment. An earthquake moment. And listen, when we have an earthquake moment in our life, it's, those moments are the moments that reshape things. There will, there will not be a normal anymore. It's going to be a new normal, so to speak. And when you have an earthquake moment, it's something that shakes you to your core. It basically does that. It rocks your world. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm going to ask you a question as I begin this message today, and that is, what is the most difficult thing that you have ever faced? What is the most difficult thing that you have ever faced in your life? As I think about that, for some in this room, it could have been the death of a precious loved one. It could have been the death of a spouse. It could have been the death of a parent. It could be the death of a child, which is extremely difficult. But it could be a sibling, a brother, a sister, or even your best friend. And so death has a way of causing those earthquake moments. It's, it's really one of them. But there are others. It could be, and I've been a chaplain in the fire department, I've seen it, but it could be that moment you come home and you see everything you've ever worked for or done being burned up. You've just lost everything in a, in a fire. And that just, Johnny, that just happened to his parents, Johnny Simmons, and if they, that, that's an earthquake moment. It's very emotional to have to, have to go through something like that in your life. Others, it could be, you know, you go into work, you get that notice. You thought you were going to retire there. And then you find out they're laying off <clears throat> and your job is no longer available. The loss of a job, the loss of things that come that we expect. Some, some of the earthquake moments, I don't know what I just did, but it was powerful. <laughs> it popped. We got it. You see it. The earthquake, the shattering moment. You know, I was reading a story out of a book this week, and, and it said that when an earthquake hit this uh, island area, it changed the 
the demographics of that whole area, the geography of the whole area changed. Because where there was a place that was dry ground, it was full of water. Where there was a mountain, there was no mountain. Where there was an ocean over there, there was now a mountain. <laughs> and it was like, what just happened? The whole landscape just changed. Well, that's an earthquake moment. And you know, I remember even when my wife lost her, her, her dad, wasn't a loss, her dad died and went home to be with the Lord. But I remember her saying she went back into church and it seemed like everybody else, their life was still going on, but she had just had an earthquake moment and, and it was like my life will never be the same. And, and it was like, well, what's normal? What's the new normal? And Angie even had a moment this week to share that with someone. Because they, they've had an earthquake moment in their life. And Angie was able to share the wisdom of Patsy Claremont. If you've never read any or heard any of her stuff, she's a Christian comedian. But she said this, normal is just a setting on a dryer. That's what normal is. It's just a setting on a dryer. Because, listen, in life... We think it's normal, but there's going to always be things that come that might just change. And it becomes what? A new normal. Because it's been an earthquake moment that's happened in your life. While you're thinking about what yours might be, I want to take us now to the story in the, in the Gospels. To where Jesus encountered an earthquake moment in his life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Or you can take your phone and it'll be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Now Mark wrote about this, Luke wrote about it. And I'm going to give you some insight from them as well. And John didn't cover it as much, but those three did. But this encounter is in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is where the story took place. And we're going to see in God's Word, as we read it, some things that we can look into Jesus' life and how did Jesus deal with an earthquake moment that was about to happen to him. Okay? So are you ready? Have you found Matthew 26? Say, yeah. yeah. All right, you ready to go? Here we go. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. And then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee. Well, who are these two sons? They're the brothers that are called James and John. They were known as the sons of thunder. So you can only imagine as a parent having kids called the sons of thunder what it must have been like raising those boys. Okay. Some of y'all are going, hey, that's me. I've got sons of thunder that are in my house. But anyway, it was James and John. And so... It says here in verse 37 that Jesus began to be grieved and distressed. Now, I underline those words because you don't see this. In fact, you search the scriptures and you look at how many times it says that Jesus was grieved and distressed. You don't find many, do you? So if, if Jesus is being grieved and distressed. This is pretty serious. And what is it? It says, he said to Peter, James, and John, he says, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. 
Can I get a witness in the room? Have any of y'all ever faced that difficult moment to where you felt like you were about to die? Yeah. Yeah. Been there. Experienced it. It's like your breath has been taken away from you. You remember the moment you heard the news. You remember where you were. It's, it's a moment, y'all. It's real. And here's the cool thing. It happens to Jesus. And that's what I love about him. He, he relates to us. And he, he's going to show us some things that are amazing as we go through this. But he was grieved to the point of death. This is serious. But he told the, the Peter, James, and John, he said, remain here and keep watch with me. He was asking them to, hey, I need you guys. Stay here. I'm going to go over here a little bit further, but I need you to watch. I need you to pray with me. I need you right now. Verse 39. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he said to the disciples, and he, and he, said, and he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. <clears throat> and he said to Peter, So, you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? So he spent one hour in prayer. And he comes back, and they're, they're gone. They didn't keep watch. They were asleep. Verse 41, he, he goes on to say this to him: Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times have you heard that before? The spirit is willing. <laughs> But this flesh is weak. It's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And it's a real battle. And then he went away again a second time and he prayed saying, Now my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So same result, another hour, he prayed, comes back, they're out. And he left them again, verse 44, and he went away and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Wow. What grieved Jesus' soul to the point that it had him at a point of death. What was it? What could it have been that had moved him to that place? Obviously, it's not a betrayal. Some of you, that might have been your worst thing that's happened. Your best friend betrayed you. It hurt. It wounded you deeply. It could have been that. The betrayer was Judas, who was coming to plant a kiss on him, and then they were going to arrest Jesus, take him away. But you think about it. It, it wasn't the physical things that Jesus was fa facing. He said, my soul, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. So what was it that he was looking at? I'm going to give you some things that I, okay, there it goes again. I'm going to give you some things that, I believe that Jesus has taught me some lessons through this text. Here's the first one. 
How did Jesus deal with the most difficult thing that he ever faced? My first point is this. Jesus went to a familiar place. He went to a familiar place to deal with it. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a place that he often went to. It's called the Mount of Olives. It's outside of Jerusalem to the east. It's a mountain there. He went up into it. It was a lonely place. It was a restful place. It was a place uh, like a retreat, solitude, somewhere he could get along and talk to God his Father. So he went to a familiar place. And listen, and when you're going through that most difficult time, listen, we all have that place, don't we, that we have to go back to, that place where we meet with God and that place where we cry out to God. It's your prayer closet. It's your prayer room. It's your shop. It's, it's that place in your house that you get along with God. For some of you, it might be that place on the farm or that place out there at the kennel. Whatever it might be, it's that place. And Jesus went to a familiar place, and, and, and that's important to know. Because that's where, when we're going through something that has rocked our world, we, we want to have that place that we can go to where God's met with us before and he spoke to us before and he's comforted us before. And so that's what Jesus did. Notice this. Jesus asked a question. He asked if it could be avoided. Now, I do know in the, in the text that in, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus Mark described it this way. He said, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. So Jesus was asking his Father, God the Father, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove it. Remove this cup. Now, that makes me think, what is the cup? What is he talking about here? Why is he... Asking of all the things he's dealing with, the most difficult thing he's ever going to face is this cup. So he goes to the one who can't, can remove it, and he asks the question. Have you ever questioned God when you're going through your most difficult moment about anything? Oh, yeah. Have you ever said, God, why am I going through this moment? Get me out of this. Get me out. Boy, this is hard. Let me get over this. Is there any other way? And he even said, please remove this cup from me. But at the last phrase, but not my will, but yours be done. We're going to get to that. But it's okay, listen, it's okay to question God. God's big. God can handle any question that we ever have. And that we might not get the answer we want to hear. And believe me, I, I know that. But God can deal with our hurt. God can deal with our pain. God is ready for us to talk to him about it when we're in the most difficult thing. So that's it. Jesus asked if it could be avoided, but not my will, but yours. And here's my next thing. Jesus needed the support of the closest ones to him. That's why he invited Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. He had a relationship with the 12, but he invited those three because he had a closer relationship with them. And he said, guys, I need you. 
I'm, I'm hurting here. I'm in a moment where my soul is grieved to the point of death. I need you to pray with me through this difficult time. And so when he needed them the most, he invited them in. Listen, when we're going through a difficult time, we need those people that are closest to us. We need them to help us through the process and of the pain that we're about to deal with. But we'll notice that like in this story, sometimes the people that we need the most, they, they might be there, but they're not there. You know what I'm saying? They might be there, but they're not there. They're not with you because they don't know what you're going through. They see it, but they don't know, they're not experiencing it because you're you, and it's between you and God and what you're dealing with. And in this case, they fell asleep. They couldn't even stay up with him when he needed them the most. And he got on to them. But here's another thing I've learned out of this. Jesus realized others may not be there when he needed them the most. And you know what? Girlfriend, she BFF, BFF. Hmm. BFF done come and gone. Wow. How did that happen? How did that happen? When you needed them the most, they weren't there to help that need. Hmm. Anybody been there, done that? Or I'm just talking to myself this morning. All right, okay. When you, but here's the thing. I know, I asked Angie about this on the way back from our vacation time. I know what's popping now. But anyway, I asked her on the way back. And so she shared an earthquake moment with me. And I'm not going to go into telling her earthquake moment, but... I will say this, at the end of, after she shared everything, she said, I got to that moment to where it was just me and God. There was nobody else. Nobody else could understand it. Nobody else was going through it. It was just me and God. And in the still small voice of God's spirit speaking to her, he said, am I enough? Am I enough? If you've lost everything or everyone, am I enough? That's at an earthquake moment. And that's when she found out the answer. Yes, God you are enough. We're going to see in this moment here. Jesus is in that moment. In fact, the next thing says Jesus received help from heaven. Luke records these words. Luke said, an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. This is Luke 22:43. It happened after Jesus went the first time. When he said, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And when it wasn't possible to remove the cup, God saw that his closest ones weren't with him. But God saw what he was going through. 
his son. And he sent an angel to minister to his son. Ooh, isn't that personal? Isn't that, that's a precious thing to see. And you know why he did that? Because Luke was the only one of the gospel writers who said what Jesus was going through, he was, it was so intense that his sweat became drops of blood as he prayed. Now, we're talking, how did that happen? It's, it's a term called uh, hematidrosis. It's a rare but very real medical condition where one sweat contains blood, and what happens is the blood vessels are around, when the sweat comes out, they rupture. And so the blood mingles with it, and it's, a, it's very agonizing and intent, and that's what Jesus was going through. And God sees all of that, and he sends an angel to minister to his son. Why? Because he knew what the cup was. I still ain't got to that yet, but I'm going to tell you in just a second. So, Jesus is encountering all of this. And God says, I see it. And I'm going to do something about it. And listen, folks. When nobody in the world can understand what you're going through and you feel like you're all alone, remember this. God is still good. And God still sees you. And God will minister you to you. If it's just him, is he enough is he well listen <laughs> proof's in the text isn't it he is enough it gets me back to well what was this cup this cup y'all this cup that Jesus was asking please remove it from me I don't want to face it this cup is the sins of every person who will believe in and receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. That was what was in the cup. It's my sin. Now if you're a believer, it's your sin. If you're not a believer and if you haven't received him, your sin still is on you. And that's what you'll get judged for in the final judgment, by the way. And you might be going, whoa, 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 whoa. God won't weigh my good and my bad? Uh-uh. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short in the glory of God. What's in that cup is the sins of every believer who's ever lived. And so everything that you did wrong as a believer this week and you sinned, and you did all of those thoughts, looks, whatever it might have been, curse, this, that, whatever, in the cup. In the cup. And that's why Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, all things are possible for you, remove this. And why would he ask that? Because he is holy, pure, never done any sin in his life. He is nothing but innocent purity. He's only had the relationship and the love of the Father. That's all he's ever known for eternity. But he knew that the cup would be God pouring out his wrath upon sin. And he who 
knew no sin, as Paul said, would become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So, wow, it, it's, it's a lot in the cup. It's, you know, even if it were just my sins, it'd be the worst thing in the world. But it's not just mine. It's the sins of every one of us in this room that's a believer. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's important to be a believer. Why? You need to have your sins in that cup that Jesus drank. Because if you don't, your sins will remain upon you and you will be judged for them. And everyone who's judged at the great white throne judgment of God is guilty. And everyone who stands before the judgment seat of Christ is innocent. They're covered by the blood. Whew, now that's good stuff. But this cup that Jesus said, Lord, please, if there's any other way, let it pass. But he said these final things in my last point. Jesus surrendered and he accepted the will of his Father to drink this cup. If it's not possible, I'll drink it. I'll drink it. Why would he do that? Why would he who knew no sin become sin for me? Listen, there's no other reason but love. <laughs> there's no other answer but love. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. And while yet we were still sinners, Jesus Christ drank the cup for us. He died for us. That's the gospel, y'all. And when we tell our gospel story and we have our earthquake moment, it's good to know that our earthquake moments are in the cup. That Jesus understands. Jesus knows what we have been through. He's experienced it. And you know, that motivates me to, to know that I know I'm not perfect. I will never be perfect. But the one thing that the difference between people that know God and don't know is you're forgiven. And so every day you keep asking for God's cleansing and forgiveness in your life. Because we need it. But we still remember what was in that cup is love. And so in honor of that, next Sunday, we're going to have what's known as communion, the Lord's Supper. And we don't fix a big meal. It's just a little wafer and it's a cup of juice, okay? But we do that in remembrance of him. So next Sunday, some of you, okay, we, somebody's dialing in. But we're going to experience communion next week. And when you hold that cup, the cup represents the blood of Christ which cleanses man from all sin. And you drink of that cup. You remember what Jesus did. He drank the cup of my sin and your sin as believers. So I close by saying this. What has been the most difficult moment in your life? Nobody else may not understand, but may I say to you, there is one who loves you and who has created you, and he knows every detail about you, and he has been through it. He 
will be there. And God loves you. And God is there for you. And when you might hear another voice saying, oh, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, this, 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 and this. Uh-uh. That's the voice of the evil one. That's the voice of the enemy. God is good all the time, no matter what. And God knows what you and I are going through. Let me ask you this question then. When you were going through, we, the last stage of the gospel story is the excavation. Where was God? Where was God in your most difficult moment? Where was he? Was he close? Or did you sense he was far away? Did God meet you in your most difficult moment? He's there. He's there. Let's pray. Lord, we can never thank you enough. We can never praise you enough for you loving us enough to send Jesus to this world to live that life. And then when he needed He needed something to happen. He surrendered to your will. And he drank the cup. And he did it because he loves us. And so, Father, my first prayer is for the one in the room that they have not yet placed their faith and trust in you, Jesus. Their sin still remains upon them, and it's not in the cup. I pray that today they would become free and liberated of all the guilt, all the sin, the curse of sin, and everything about it. They'd be freed today and forgiven in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, for those that are in this room that may be facing their most difficult moment right now. Right now. They needed to hear... And we needed to learn the lessons and be reminded that, Lord Jesus, you've been there. You've done it. And I can learn. And I'm going to, even as painful as it is, I'm going to surrender to your will, O oh God. You, God, are enough. So, Father, in this moment, in this time, this altar is going to be open for a time of prayer, for a time of healing. For a time of those who come and say, God, I need you more than ever. And God, you are enough. So, Lord, have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.